Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast in another episode and today's episode is going to be a really special episode um, because it's going to be about um, Connell's sister, uh, a year from her passing. Um, so it, 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 I, I've also invited onto the episode Angela from Mental Health Awakening um, series we do every year, um, well, last two years now. Um, and I invited Angela because she works in the field of mental health and and today we're um Connell's gonna be showing like the mental health um how his mental health has been and I guess the whole process around um Ellen as well um and it's gonna be a, a really good conversation and 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 it, it, I think it's really good that Connell has has um but this is all Connell's idea it wasn't mine um it was all Connell's idea to 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 do this so it's it's I'm I'm glad we're gonna do this so. Before we get going, uh, just so people know who guys you are, you've probably been on there loads of times, but it's just if a new listener pop, pops up and doesn't listen to any of your past episodes, if you guys wouldn't mind just introducing yourselves. So um, I'll, go, I'll start with you, Connell, and then I'll go to Angela. Uh, yeah, hi, everyone. Um, Mason's gained many new listeners since I've last went on the podcast. But yes, um, I am Connell, and I'm a mental health advocate, and I do my own podcasts around mental health, and I've been on previous like, podcasts as well, just talking about my general life story. But um, I'm looking forward to this one in particular because this is, uh, for me, this is going to be telling her story almost and, you know, talk and talking about how the grieving process has been like for me. So hopefully this will give, you know, everyone around me, but also the listeners, a real insight as to what um, it's been like. I think I think I think it'd be really good for anyone who who's seen this today because it it is good to it, I, I imagine it's hard as well to do that as well. Um, so Angela, um, do you do your introduction, please? Hello, hello to all the viewers and listeners. I'm Angela T. Jackson. I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of Tennessee in the USA. I'm glad to be here today. Honored. To to have been invited. I have over 12 years of experience in the mental health field and grief and loss is one of my special specialty areas as well as chronic illness support. So I'm, again, I appreciate the invite to be present and I believe it's very brave of you, Connell, to come out and share what your experience has been and to share your sister's story and the feelings that have come about in the process. There are so many different feelings that come up with grief and loss, and we're here to listen to you and here to support. Yeah, yeah. this is Connell's podcast, <laughs> let's just say, because he's going to be taking the lead, I think, today, and me and Angela are here to listen, and we can ask any questions um I, I'm, I'm happy to sit back today and 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 and, and let you guys delve into it because I, I'm not I haven't lost anyone really in my family as of yet so it, it's going to be interesting how you guys uh say how you deal with things it might be uh, a tip for me maybe for the future if I do lose one myself so it, it so I guess Connell to start off with if you wouldn't mind before you delve into Ellen if you mind just saying a little bit about her like um about, about, about your sister uh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, Ellen was my younger sister and I've also got another sister who's, um, they were both twins. 
So Alan was autistic, she had a um, ADHD, uh, PDA, which is pathological demand avoidance. And she also had a lot of health conditions uh, such as colitis, liver hypertension and uh, other conditions that um, I can't really name or understand. But that was just that. But that's pretty much some of the uh, gist of it. But uh, but most of all, she was pretty much the light and the soul of everyone's life and the whole family loved her everyone she met uh, she really marked an impression and she was unapologetically herself at all times which is um which is what everyone should aspire to be yeah yeah i i like um because i i follow your um I think Adam's page on, on Facebook mm-hmm. and like seeing everything like um about your sister and like always in hospital and uh, like you, it, it, I think it was very rare I think she was out a few times I think I think I remember you saying that she she came home for Christmas um once and you kind of you highlighted that and you was really happy about that because it she's very rare but it was it's rare that she was at a hospital because she was always in it um yeah so basically um with her hospital admissions I think it started from um when she was about obviously I'd say around three years old so um she not only with her autism but she she was also non-verbal so she couldn't verbalize her needs and wants but but boy did she do so in other ways um but uh the hot but in regards to the hospital admissions um it wasn't it wasn't much when she was younger she was very bright energetic she'd always drag me and Abby's my other sister onto the trampoline and play um and I think it was some of the best times we had and uh, we always used to go to the zoo um we used to go to the beach she loved the beach um she was a real like lover for you know sort of the the scenic way the beach was and she loved watching the waves um like sort of you know come crashing or whatever and that was and I'd say like Mersey Beach which you know Mason is was one of her favorites like her absolute favorite and um and I think with the and with her year of passing we went there and um, to honor her and it was really special um emotional of course um but the most important but the most important thing about this is that um you know she really lived her life despite the limitations that she had to deal with on a daily basis and I think as she got older that's when she started spending a lot more time in hospital which in turn affected um my work at school my performance and it also affected the family because um with my mum having to stay with Ellen um me and Abby would go to um, our grandparents and during that and during that period of time you know our grandparents were basically having to become parents again you know sort of raising us and and you know, a huge shout out to them because not many you know grandparents or any relative for that matter um would probably want to take on you know I guess that challenge because I was a hormonal teenage boy at the time who didn't really know any better so I think um so I think that was a really hard period to go through, especially in school in my latter years, which you know, Mason, mm-hmm. and um, and how and how it affected me and the support system I had around at home, but also in school, 
which was so important because I think I'm someone that doesn't really like to um, verbal, like be a burden on others and just talk about my own emotions. It was very much very closed off, not really trusting of other people. And I think as, and I think with that, it, um, I had to, to, I had to tell someone and my mom had to make all the teachers aware that um, Ellen was spending a, a quite a lot of time in hospital she spent there would be years where she'd spend more uh days in hospital than home in a year and the days that she was home you know it was absolutely brilliant um because i think it's very much she loved to be at home she loved to be of her things the familiarity of you know everything around her the sensory seeking and the comforts um that was one of the um things that she liked about being at home yeah yeah i i i i like when you was like when you went to school connell i actually um when everyone was going on it was actually very good uh, you wouldn't think that you would go to school after everyone was everything was going on so i think it um i think it was very brave of you to actually go in after everything that's going on with ellen um and like I I I comp- I'm completely with you w- when you don't want to express your emotions maybe in a public setting, um to other people because um it, it's very hard because like it, it it can get overcrowded as well if if people see that you're upset and like you have one after another people come to you saying are you okay are you okay are you okay and it's hard and you don't want to like like you say you don't want to give your problem to someone else and you maybe was feeling um like that you were maybe a role model um to other maybe to younger people in the school and you didn't want to feel like that you're maybe weak to them perhaps um and yeah am I saying that right Connell yeah I I think it is a case of like you say feeling a weakness because being one of the older members at the time um you you are looked to as a role model. You're looked at as an inspiration to everyone. And ultimately that can be quite um, overwhelming. It can be very overwhelming with everything that's going on around you. You feel like people are just shouting aimless words at you and you feel so overwhelmed by it all. And I think one of the things as well that I kind of want to relate to childhood is uh, whenever Ellen would like drag me onto the trampoline or or me or any other family member that for that matter although it was exhausting but I look back on those times with real pride because as she got older she kind of lost her spark and her ability to walk and a lot of the time she had to go around in a wheelchair to places because um, there would be instances where she couldn't stand and I think as she got towards the end of her life it was pretty much uh, my mum having to, you know, sort of care for her 24-7 and caring for all of her needs as she got older and less able to, you know, walk walk around. And and I think that was that was one of the things that really made me sad. It it was um just so heartbreaking. It was really heartbreaking to see her suffer like that. And the pain she went through was something unimaginable. You know, you 
don't you don't wish that upon your worst enemy you know you don't wish that upon anyone it's one of the worst things that you can go through and i see so many uh people with complex health needs you know go through their struggles and they suffer through all the pain and adversity and they come through the other side and i think ellen was always a fighter she was a warrior she always defied the odds each time and i think i'm going to tell a story here from back when i was about 14 15 so this was 2016 ellen went into respiratory failure her organs all failed and she was in intensive care at adenbrooks and stuff like that and that had such a profound effect on the family it had, especially me and my sister abby as well it just affected us in school and in so many other ways that I couldn't even comprehend. It was like an influx of emotions that I wasn't really used to having before. It was almost like I was grieving her then. It was almost like I was, you know, kind of accepting the fact. And, and I think dealing with loss is such a um, such an awful thing. It's such an awful thing because, especially when you're especially when we're young like me and you, Mason, um, and you lose someone at such a young age, it can be, even, it almost feels like you have to grow up quicker. And that's what I found that with Ellen's hospital admissions, that I had to grow up very quickly. And I think I became very overt, like protective of, you know, both of my sisters. I think that was that instant thing of if anything ever happened to them, you know, the person, you know, they're going to pay. And that, and that was, and that was one of the things as well that I just had that, you know, protective instinct. And Ellen was, you know, someone, like I say, back in her early childhood, very bright and outgoing and energetic and, um, you know, and she, you know, she did some brilliant things and the people that cared for her, like, huge huge credit to them because you know it's a lot for nurses doctors and anyone that works in a hospital to actually you know go through caring for patients on a daily basis but I can really feel uh their bond for my sister they, you know, they bonded with her they you know they comforted our cries and like relieved our concerns and they just yeah they were there and you know, and I still talk to some of those, and I still talk to some of those nurses, you know, they're absolutely brilliant. I, I couldn't thank them enough. There's not really any words that I could say to for how much my for how much gratitude I have. Yeah. Arnold, I appreciate you sharing all of that. It sounds like your sister she was a fighter. You talked about how she made great impressions on you guys as a family um, and the people that were around her, her caregivers. And I really listened to what you were saying when you said that you had an influx of emotions just when she was going through the changes with her health and when things started to worsen. And it's true you can actually feel feelings of grief before there is a loss of life. What's happening is as a big brother, the potential is that you had expectations for your sister. You had um, ideas and thoughts and hopes of what her life would look like 
um, as a, a younger sister and as she grew older and some of the fun you had, you mentioned the trampoline and um, how she loved the beach and fun things like that. So a lot of times people who are close to us, we also, you know, as siblings, we have hopes and dreams, thoughts and ideas of what their life will look like. So you can actually grieve a lifestyle. You can actually grieve losses other than life. You can grieve the loss of items. You can grieve a move or a transition that maybe you didn't expect in life. Uh, maybe even personally, maybe there is um, an illness or maybe there's a change of plans or maybe there's a even a change of school, right? That that plays into a move. So it it's likely that you were already grieving. There was an expectation and you were having to be introduced to a new normal. You were having to accept what this different life would be, would look like while she was present. Yeah, and I think as well, um, far in the getting told that she didn't have long left, I just got back from a brilliant holiday in America and to then be told that she didn't have, you know, that long left. And I kind of thought um, at the time, I was like, maybe a couple of months after I got told that she passed away two weeks later and we had to go and say our goodbyes. And I, it feels like a blur, but I remember it so clearly. It's really hard to explain because it sometimes when you go through like internalized trauma, you tend to put it to the back of your mind and you don't really like notice it until when you look back and you reflect actually that you remember it so vividly and so clearly and you know that day I had to go you know, the day I had to go and say goodbye to her it was one of the most awful times of my life um and the day after she you know she passed and that's something that that's forever gonna break me because yes I can talk it feels weird talking about her in past sense even now a year on it still feels weird but I find that what's helped me out um, in recent times and is talking to her as if she's still here sometimes because that helps me. And I don't know if that's going to help any other people that are struggling out there with loss. And But I think when you lose someone, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, a grandparent, a parent, a sibling or a friend or a pet or whatever, you know, because that's that that is valid. But I find with sibling loss it's kind of different because you grow up with them you lived through childhood with them you triumphed you had your ups and downs and you know and and then when you lose them it really does hit you different because they often say like siblings are the forgotten mourners which um is a phrase you've probably heard of and no, I don't feel forgotten in that sense, but I know for people that have lost siblings that they do kind of feel forgotten in that grieving process because, you know, everyone tends to ask like the parent or whatever, how they're doing. And obviously losing a child, I can't even begin to imagine how awful that is. I can't even begin to imagine the heartbreak, the, the, the sadness and everything that comes along with that. And I think... I've felt every emotion under the sun with grief. 
Um, I felt guilt. I felt regret. I felt anger. I felt sadness and depression and anxiety. And I've gone through the what ifs and what if that happened and what if I've done this and what if I, you know, look back and try and maybe spend a bit more time. But I guess you can't dwell on that. You can't dwell on the what ifs because that will just eat you alive. You know, that'll eat you alive day and night. And I found that with my bad days, what's helped me is, is that, you know, verbalizing it as best as I can, doing something, doing activities that benefit me. And I think that's, and I think that's the most important thing is that with grieving, it's not moving on, it's moving forward with them beside you in spirit. Yeah. So you don't, you're never going to forget Adam, um, I think, because no. she's always going to be there. Like if you're struggling, if um, I don't know, if if you have an argument with uh, maybe a friend of yours, it might be about football. <laughs> it might be about someone else. Um, well, yeah, I've had plenty of them recently. Yeah. And then, uh, and then you just you're, you're thinking, Adam, and say, I'm going to win this argument. <laughs> no, yeah, it's you know, it's it's one of the things I'm very stubborn and. Ellen was very stubborn, you know. She she was someone that, you know, you knew what she wanted, and if you don't give her it, she'll certainly tell you. You know, even though she was nonverbal, she'd certainly, you know, tell you what she wanted and you know when she wanted it. Um, but she had the most mischievous, funny sense of humor. You know, a lot a lot of the things that she used to do just, you know, made me laugh on the days that. I felt sad and, you know, and the, and she made the whole family laugh as well. You know, she had that effect on people. And that's um, one of the things I'm always going to remember about her, her mischievous intent, um, the trouble she'd get into. And if she was quiet, you know, she, she'd be doing something that she shouldn't be doing. And, um, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you this now um, in her room, uh the lamp in her room has not been switched off since the day she passed it's still it still remains on and i think it's always gonna stay on because i guess it's like you know sort of symbolic or significant uh to, you know because it's almost like yeah she's still there sometimes i do go in there and it's you know sometimes i and sometimes i might just sit and want ponder or wonder um but even then when I go on walks I you know sometimes I talk to her and you know people might think that's like weird like talking to someone that's up in heaven and I'm not a believer in religion necessarily but I do believe that you know when someone dies they go to a good place and I believe that Ellen is in that good place you know she's the most important thing for me was that she's pain-free you know, she doesn't have to suffer or deal with the, um, with, you know, fighting again, constantly fighting against adversity, which she used to do time and time over again with her health conditions. That's, you know, that's something she had to do. And it's something she shouldn't have had to do. She, she should have been able to, you know, still live the, um, you know, sort of, normal-ish life whatever everyone calls normal um but 
but the things that I remember most about her, like I said, is how mischievous and tan her sense of humor and you know the and the impact that she made on so many people around her. It was unexplainable. Like the people who came to her funeral, it was um the room the room bit of the crematorium was filled up like full of people that obviously that's family but there's also people that cared for her you know while you were talking about her the the energy that came across made me smile I don't know if you noticed but just talking about how pleasant how mischievous how humorous and just just the very energy in you speaking about her is positive it's that of strength you know it sounds like you all had a great bond and as you mentioned with her being nonverbal, I'm pretty sure her communication was just as strong yeah you know I and even as it relates to the lamp that's that stands out to me because there's a term called object relation that you, you may have heard of it it's something that um, I bring up often with um, clients or people who are grieving. A lot of times, if you identify a specific object that you can um, direct that emotion toward while that person is not physically present. So it might be a picture. It might be something that you create, like a memory box. Maybe she was creative. Maybe you take an old shoe box and you put um, maybe her hair clip inside, or maybe there's a ribbon, or maybe there is maybe some achievement from, from school. And so just thinking about that lamp and the light remaining on, that's a sort of an object relation. Um, and you said it perfectly. It's symbolic. Yeah. And I think it is the symbolism of it. Like I have a I have a necklace, which I'm not really aware of jewelry as such. I've never really have been. You know, the most jewelry I've like worn is probably like a watch or whatever. But um, I have a necklace uh, that says Ellen, my sister forever. And I got it a couple of days after, you know, she had passed. And, you know, that was uh, quite emotional to get that. And I even, like months later, I got a tattoo, which I don't know, you probably might see on the screen. But um yeah it's I got that tattoo and yeah it hurt like hell um you know it's when you get a tattoo it's um you have to obviously not itch it and you have to you know try and and try and distract yourself in the best way you can <laughs> but um but I think for me getting that tattoo was you know very important for me to honor her in the best way and I think that's something that I always want to do is you know, honour her legacy, you know, talk about her, you know, positively and and to, you know, always, you know, not shy away from the topic because I think in the first couple of months uh, after she'd passed, I'd tended to shy away from the topic. And I think it's, you know, icebreaker questions. So when you meet someone new and it's like, oh, hi, how are you? Um, but yada, yada, yada. Um, and that question might be just so simple and but oh how many siblings do you have how many brothers and sisters do you have and as someone who's lost a sibling that's a 
like really like gut-wrenching question obviously yeah. they don't know that so it's not their fault yeah. but however like being asked that question is like so gut-wrenching because you don't know how to answer and there'd been instances where yes I'd been asked that question it was like how do I respond how do I respond to such a simple icebreaker question I was like what what do I say like um, do I just say that I have two sisters and sort of um or do I say oh um you know my one of my sisters passed that kind of thing and it, I think it would I think it would be like and that person would be like oh well I'm really sorry to hear that and they'd feel like and they'd almost feel pity for you and they feel guilty for asking that question like kind of and I'm kind of like don't feel like you can't ask me questions you know it's you know yes it might be cut wrenching and heartbreaking to you know sometimes be asked such a simple question but don't be afraid to ask it because I will you know answer the best way I can and I think when I had counselling which I which I did have um for about you know six to eight weeks around two months and it really benefited me because I was able to verbalize and communicate my thoughts around this and I think it was better for me to talk to a stranger rather than necessarily talk about it with family all the time because I think they go through their different notions of grief and and everyone grieves and deals with it deals with loss differently absolutely absolutely you know people ask a lot of questions that are triggering you know and sometimes you think man don't they know not to ask that question but as you said to your point a lot of times they have no idea what you're thinking what you're feeling and you know you answer in a way that's most comfortable for you so I I like that you said that you had counseling for six to eight weeks you had mentioned before that you go on walks and you talk to your sister as if she's here Um, I was actually going to ask you what other things you do as far as coping skills I'm pretty sure you learned a lot of ways to cope and to manage and express your feelings in therapy. Can you share with the listeners and viewers what, what you use for coping skills? Yeah, sure. So some of the things that I use to sort of uh, cope with this is, you know, exercise helps for me. You know, again, walking is exercise, going to the gym is exercise. And I find that stimulates my brain into, you know, sort of that dopamine in the brain. It's sort of, you know, getting it into a stable you know might get into a stable mind because I think with grieving you know people can sometimes develop unhealthy coping mechanisms unintentionally and yes I I think sort of the first couple of weeks of grieving I did do that you know comfort eating you know I did that quite a lot and I put on quite a bit of weight and that had um and I think with with that is exhausting I find I think the first day first few days I felt like I'd aged 10 20 years I think that's what like loss does to you like those first couple of days you feel so tired so drained and you just don't know what to do with yourself and I experienced so much of that and I think uh, one of the things that I found is 
it's important for me to go on podcasts like this and you know I've now I've now felt ready to talk about this and you know talk about my own experience of grieving and also tell Ellen's story in the best way that I can and that's that's one of the things that's most prominent for me but ultimately I'll, I'll say this to anyone out there that's grieving take it one day at a time don't dwell on the what ifs and it's okay to feel guilt it's okay to feel angry it's okay to feel sadness and unhappiness and whatever and whatever emotion that comes with grieving because you've got to you've got to realize that actually what you're going through is valid and how you and surround yourself with a support network and I think I find I think I find as well that when you lose someone people don't know how to act with you they don't know how to act towards you they're like oh am I being like too intrusive um am I not being supportive and I think it's finding for me I think it's for me it's finding a healthy balance between you know not being too intrusive and you know sort of you know being supportive and I think with that it's um, I found that, yeah, there were certain people that were being intrusive and I just wouldn't reply, you know, I wouldn't reply to messages. And I think that's perfectly natural and it's fine because you um, tend to sort of switch off and you don't really want, the last thing you want to be doing is replying to, you know, mess, messages from people that perhaps aren't really, are of significance to your life. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, and the thing with messages is very—it's always very complicated. With it anyway, like people message you, don't reply straight away. I think yeah, that sounds wrong <laughs> sometimes. Um, and then I think I—I think kind of toxic really. Um, and then I kind of—I I guess after these certain situations, like maybe with the loss and uh, of your sister and people you probably may realise who your friends are in a way as well because um, I think it. how I would react, I, I think I did actually, I, I think I said to you Connor if you want to chat I'm here uh, I, 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 I didn't I didn't bombard you with messages I just, because like, I think you have to deal with it in your own way and, and if you want to talk to people you can and to your friends um, but like, I, like having that um, that six weeks with um like a therapist it, it must have done you some good um because you can vent out any of your problems i guess to a person that you don't know which which uh, looking at it may feel like uh very maybe daunting because you don't know the person but at the same time um they don't know you so it may work <laughs> so they don't have anything to say about uh, like bad about you that maybe uh someone that maybe that says that your friend they do but yeah i i i completely agree with with what you're saying i i think i think as well like like you say it's venting to a stranger that doesn't know you and i think with my counselor you know she was incredible and she was you know really empathetic and understanding with what i was going through and she gave me strategies and ways of you know sort of you know coping with that loss and as I think as well, it's it's loss is such a 
weird complicated feeling it's mm-hmm. sort of like the first couple of weeks you try and get through the first couple of weeks until the funeral basically and you know this is gonna sound like really bad of me to say this but I find funerals very tedious and what I mean by that is is that it's after like the service after the funeral and you come out you come out and you know it's like everyone like going on at you talking to you kind of thing and Ellen's you know funeral was absolutely beautiful you know the music was very emotional and um and we you know told some stories like me and Abby read a poem uh, that was written on our naming day from when we were you know um very young and you know we read that out and I don't know how we did it but we did because even though our hearts were breaking we were determined to you know read you know read that poem I read half and Abby read the other and it was um such a beautiful service and but it's after I'm tedious it's after it because so many people just talk to you and and usually it's people you haven't seen in like years family you haven't seen in years and and I'm, I'm just like go away <laughs> to, I know that sounds rude of me to say yeah. but you know just go away leave me alone like and I was exhausted after the funeral I was so exhausted like physically and mentally I was shattered and I couldn't you know and I, I just kind of just wanted to be away from everyone and I you know I you know, had a nap after because it was that tiring you know because talking to people um, especially after a funeral can be just draining yeah yeah afterwards I've seen situations where it gets treated more like a family reunion Mm. as opposed to a time to mourn and it can it can be exhausting I always think okay just wait try to read the room figure out who you're dealing with consider the source some people may want um, to be close and have conversations and other people need that time and space just to uh, be alone maybe to think um, to fuel their physical bodies get something to eat and rest you know so one thing I remember is we were all a part of the same group at the time when I found out I remember reading a post that you had shared sharing that you that your sister had passed and so I checked in with Mason first actually to find out what he felt most comfortable with me doing I didn't want to put a public post out there so I went into the private group and just shared hey someone close to us um, has suffered a loss let's just be present let's just show some love and I felt comfortable with that because now it's been uh, what I believe has been two or three years and I considered you a friend but even you know outside of being a professional or having experienced loss myself and my own family the first thing I thought of is I don't know Connell's comfort level so I want to be sensitive to that but what I have learned is that just being present is the best thing letting somebody know hey I'm here Uh, there are a lot of things that people say sometimes that just make me 
put my head in my hands like, oh my goodness, yeah. you know, the the how are you feeling? Yeah. I I don't like that question because yeah. you can probably guess how a person is feeling after a loss yeah. of a loved one or telling them it's gonna be okay. Let me tell you why I don't like that. It's <laughs> mm. because, you know, maybe it will be, but maybe that person is not ready for that right now. They're still processing. Maybe they're going through the stages of grief. Maybe there's uh, a space where they're still denying uh, that it happened or there's still that level of shock and you are entitled to your own feelings during that time. So there's a whole list of questions or or scenarios I can think of where I'm just like, right. <laughs> not right now. Now yeah. it's not the time. So my go-to is just simply being present, mm. showing love, um, yeah, even but... giving a person space. Yeah. I... I think it is important because uh, like he say Angela you hit the nail on the head in regards to you know what you should or shouldn't say you know I hate those questions too oh how are you feeling well no, I'm not feeling great I'm tired I'm feeling all this unrelented emotion that I'm experiencing so no I'm not okay and yes that might sound like a snappy response to such a simple question but when you're grieving it's best you don't aren't you know it's best you don't ask that because you know it's such a I'd say I'd say it's quite an insensitive question in a way because you know um yeah there's probably been times where you know someone's lost someone I've probably asked that question but I realized I was oh really sorry I shouldn't have asked that um you know that's a stupid question I mean that's a stupid question and I kind of just like that's the best thing to say to someone when they've lost someone is that I like I'm here if you need me here if you want to chat like and that's I felt I think that's the best thing you can say you know without sounding without coming off as like intrusive or knowing that person's comfort level like you say Angela and yeah. and, and I think it's such a to tread carefully when it comes to that because it's a sensitive subject that we are talking about right now and and the most important and the most important thing is is being there for that person when and as to when they need it absolutely absolutely when they need it I often bring that up as well some people oh goodness they let go too soon and what I mean by that is you know, around the time of the funeral, around the time where maybe family is coming in from different places or out of town, there are a lot of people present. There may be a lot of uh, gestures or, you know, tokens of support, cards, food. But what happens, as you said with the therapist, what happens six to eight weeks later when you still need support? Are you still going to be there? So a lot of times I will say, let me know, not if you need me, but let me know when you need me. I'm here when you need me. Yeah. Oh, 100%. It's such a, 
it's such a simple like thing to say to you know someone that's you know dealing with loss and the aftermath of it i think the first couple of weeks before the funeral i was more or less plodding along and trying to stay strong and i think sort of after the funeral i guess i did allow myself to you know have a cry and i think it and i think it's good to let out that emotion it's such a release scientifically it's proven to you know be good for your body to let out whatever that emotion is yes there are days that i still feel of course i feel sadness of course i feel um you know sometimes i feel guilt and regret and um but i think the anger um from compared to the early days has subsided for me i think the reason that i guess you can get angry when it comes to grief is because like why does it have well like why did it have to happen to them why does it have to happen to me it's you know it's it's one of those things that you constantly ask yourself and you internalize how are you going to deal with it and what's going to be next and i think coping strategies and how people deal with loss is you know obviously it's obviously can be different from you and i or anyone um, that's dealing with loss and like i said earlier some people might develop unhealthy coping mechanisms unintentionally such as i don't know drinking like to get by day by day which is um you know obviously can be a trigger and it can be really bad to for them to do that and another like other unhealthy coping mechanisms such as overeating and not or not really looking after yourself which i think we can all be guilty of regardless of loss um we can all be very guilty of not really looking after ourselves and looking after our bodies and looking after our brains like physically and mentally and I, th and I think one of the most important things uh, throughout this whole process for me is that people around me have not been intrusive. They've been supportive. They've sort of been that listening ear if I need to. But I think, yes, yes, there's been a few people that have kind of probably bombarded me with messages, but I just ignore them because that's the best way to go about it, I think. And and But one of the things I'm going to say as well is that I did share a Facebook post about grief and someone, I won't mention this person's name uh, for out of respect for their privacy, but someone wrote in the comments, which really angered me, uh, like really, really angered me. I'm trying not to swear here. And they wrote, I think he wrote something like, we all, uh, we all deal with grief. Uh, it's about moving on. And I was like, do one. Like, that's such an insensitive thing to say. How dare you say that to someone, considering I'd not long lost my sister, really. It was like a couple of months in, and I was just thinking to, I was just thinking to myself, what at all? Like, honestly, yeah. just absolutely dis such a disgusting, insensitive thing to say. Educate yourself. Like, and I removed that person instantly because... You know, it was such a insensitive, damn right disgusting thing to say to someone, and and right and rightfully so. I had people, you know, defend me. Um, I didn't ask them to. Um, they saw what I saw, and you know, 
and he then deleted his comment and I obviously removed them and it was like, but yeah, that's, that's the thing as well. People need to realise that the, the word you say to someone that's, to anyone for that matter, can have such a damaging negative consequence on their daily life and how they move forward and, you know, that they're already dealing with loss. They don't need you piping up and adding to the, you know, the guilt and the anger and the sadness and everything else that you're feeling alongside that. Yeah. And then you, you, when people do that, and um, there's so many scenarios that people can do that in, and I think you think to yourself when they write comments like that, you think, what are you getting out of it? Why would you write that? Um, because one, they don't think, and one, and one, they just do it to probably annoy you um, and anger you like, like, like you do, and like you did the best thing there, just removing them, blocking them. Um, it's 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 one of the best things, and I guess it it's hard. If, if someone does that in your life and they are, they are a good friend, they, they, you'd think they're a good friend. But if they're not a close friend, I, I guess it's not as much as, as a loss as it would be. But um, it, it, it is annoying. Um, like, um, I've had... I think most people do have that uh, hateful comments about certain things. Um, it could do with loss. It can be do with... Lots of things, but loss is a, a topic that should not be joked about, um, especially because losing someone, especially like like you say, if, if that was shortly after like Adam passed, there's no time to be joking that. Whether it's not long or like a year later, perhaps, yeah. it, um, there's no, it, it 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 shouldn't be done, um, because it is it is just disrespectful. And not on because it isn't um really because it's not it's not helping you either, really, is it? No, it's it's not. It's you know, it's like I say, such a uh such an awful thing to say to someone. Uh, and I felt I you know found with that I got instantly you know obviously I kind of got like defensive. I was almost like the overprotectiveness was coming in i was like no i'm not gonna have you say that it's it's really insensitive and inconsiderate and it came with a lack of care and understanding but um i think i think going back as well as the uh with with ellen and the days out that we used to have when we were all younger we'd go to the you know like we go to the park we'd go to the zoo and you know she would always cause mischief and i think that was even an ins a funny story which i'm going to tell now is that she was in I think, I think it was somewhere in Kent or... Oh, no, it wasn't somewhere in Kent, but it was somewhere. Um, she was like... There was a really big puddle, and I think she was probably about maybe four, maybe five at the time. Uh, she went into this puddle, and she was just joyfully playing around in it, and I think everyone was almost, like, watching in, like, awe and amusement, and she even made it to um, a newspaper in Kent, which was, like, which was really funny at the time and it's and it's one of the stories that you know I do remember and I could tell stories about her for hours like for instance where you know me and Abby would play Jenga and 
and I think we had a power cut and um, she ended up rebuilding you know Jenga blocks block by block and you know she ended up knocking it down and we all just um, you know laughed and and I think I think as well that's something that I guess we had to understand and grow up that um, you know she had her way of doing things and and that was and that was you know something that I grew to understand you know understanding her world and understanding her point of view and you know and if I could walk a mile in her shoes like kind of thing it was you know the the support that she had around her was phenomenal it really was phenomenal the amount of people that that surrounded that showered her with love and affection and even even then, like I've still got, I think I've still got two of her teddies, like sort of up there. I don't know if you can see in the background, and I've even got a um, little sunflower um, thing, which I may go and get in a second and um, put on screen. But um, yeah, she had a lot of nicknames as well. Um, she had she had a lot of nicknames. You know, flower was one of them, and her favorite colors were green and yellow. You know, she liked all the typical childhood shows that, you know, we all liked when we were kids, you know, Barney, Teletubbies and, um, you know, and some, and the tweenies. And sometimes that does bring back a bit of nostalgia, although there'd be instances where she'd watch, you know, Barney or whatever or Teletubbies on a phone and it'd be in German or Dutch or whatever. And it'd be kind of funny because um, <laughs> it's just the way that they'd speak. And, you know, I, I used to laugh and she'd actually just like what, full on watch it as well. But she used to have, you know, those little tellies you can get and you can put the disc in and stuff. Yeah, yeah she, she had one of them. And um, she was like very, she was very good with technology, by the way. Very, very good. Like, <laughs> you know, she could find her favorite videos in seconds. Like she knew how to operate a touchscreen. I mean, she'd always you know, nick our relatives' phones and, you know, sort of watch stuff on there and let's still get notified and subscribe to random channels and, you know, get the f and get the f um, random notifications. Like, you know, she loved, she loved YouTube, but she also, you know, loved those shows that was such a, an important, like, part of her life. And, you know, sometimes I, I'd watch, I'd sometimes watch or hear it and I'd feel nostalgic like really nostalgic about it because you know as a kid we'd all watch those kind of shows and and that and that was and that was really um just amazing for me like sort of seeing the world from her eyes and and you know she didn't have no enemies no resentment for anyone and I think that's how a lot of people should be you know she like I said to you like very early on in this podcast she was unapologetically herself at all times you know she wasn't going to change for no one and that and that was something I admired the most about her that's a beautiful scare channel she it sounds like she was inspiring she was her authentic self I like that. I like yeah. that. Seeing the world from her eyes, that made me think of, you know, maybe certain interests that she had 
and whether or not there are ideas or even dreams or, or hopes that she had that she may have wanted to see carried out you could spearhead those kind of things i think that's i think that's one of the things that is important for me and my other sister and you know, and the whole family is is honoring her legacy and going about it in the right way and i think it's going to be sort of a yearly tradition for um i guess a year after she passed like as years go by like going to the beach on the day she passed and lighting up lanterns and you know booking a beach shot and you know sort of laugh and talk about and reminisce about the memories because you walk down memory lane and you kind and you when you go down memory lane and you kind of zone out for a moment because you go down there and it's like she's there and when you go down memory lane and you loot and loot and you've lost someone and you talk to them, I guess that you kind of just zone out for a second because, because of how impactful it can be just to, you know, take that trip. And sometimes I think there can be certain triggers as well with grieving, like something they may have liked um, and then you realise you can't get it for them or their favourite song comes on the radio. You know, grief isn't something that, is just gonna you're not you're gonna expect it grief is gonna come to you when you least expect it it's gonna come to you when you're doing something on a random tuesday night grief is gonna come when you listen to their favorite song on the radio and you cry because it reminds you of them you see something online that you think they might like and you then get sad because you realize you can't get it for them these, these are the types of things that you, I guess you can associate because grief doesn't just show up on the day they die. Grief shows up all, all the time. All the time. That's right. That's right. Every milestone, every birthday, and not just her birthday, mm. but the way that you're able to recall certain funny things, certain humorous times, those things could happen on mom's birthday, dad's birthday, mm. holidays, right? Different, uh, you know, any any significant date that's set aside. You know, how, I know you guys may t say vacation. Well, we say vacation in the U.S. Mm. You you say holiday. So there might be a certain trip, you know. So any milestone, any uh, photos anything like that um gifts pictures around the house favorite songs all of those things yeah there's there is a lot of pictures of ellen around the house um i think it's important because it's almost like yeah she's still around she's um still around the house but i think is but the thing i i admit i miss the most is is that coming home and knowing that she she you know she may be there and um you know, as I got older, I would go up to the hospital and like go and see her. Um, like every every time I was 16, 17, I was a bit older, I was able to sort of go and get the bus and whatever. And I, you know, I would go there and I think I think for me, um that you know, hospital staff, what they do is absolutely brilliant. I can't 
fault them at all, you know. They they pretty much get taken for granted, spoken to like garbage, and and yet they continue to show up for patients time and time again. And that's and that's something that's hugely courageous. But I think I thought I bet but the thing I found for me is that I think for me going there will be a bit of a trigger for me because it'll be a reminder. It'll be a reminder as to all the time that she's to spend there. And and there would and there was certain, you know, sort of things that would make me cry and would make me sad and um, you know, potentially feel a bit of guilt and regret and 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 pretty much um or even or even like pride because with every like you say Angela with every milestone every birthday not just hers but every single milestone and birthday it's I guess there's that one other person missing that that one person that should be there isn't there and it's it's one it's one of those just awful things that you have to you know go through for basically the rest of your life and you know there's going to come a time where I'm going to have more years without her than she spent on this earth which was 17 years and that's and that's the real and that realization that sets in is gonna absolutely break me and there's certain things that do break me in that way because it's it's hard to describe. It's hard to figure out, and it's hard. It could be really hard to navigate the feelings around this and the process, and and how how I'm even supposed to function. Because I think with like work and stuff, or or if your child or if a child's like lost a relative, is you know sending them back to school, or um, you know they don't want to go, and it's understandable. But I think even then, it's that. It took me probably a month, maybe two months for me to fully go like back to work full time. I think after two, three weeks, I went in sporadically. I felt I felt okay-ish, but I could feel like the sense of pity from people and the sort of the, the nervousness and I could sense they felt uncomfortable around me kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, you know, thinking it and, Maybe they'll realize, and maybe you know they're actually, you know, trying to be nice and supportive. But I could kind of sense the, I don't know what to say kind of thing. And I've been in that position when someone's lost someone. I'm like, oh gosh, like that's so awful. What do I like? What do I say to them? I don't want to come across as like intrusive, but I also don't want to, you know, come across as being unsupportive. Yeah, or insensitive. It's yeah. It, it is an awkward feeling when someone is someone has dealt with a loss and the the room around you the people around you at work are still happy they're jolly they're functioning and there's almost a hush that comes over the room when you enter because they don't know should we carry on with our conversation would it present as insensitive would it be offensive so it it definitely is a struggle to navigate. And, you know, there, there's that, there, there, there's the space of acceptance to a degree, not, not fully accepting 
um, or, or not necessarily holding other people hostage, right? But there's mm-hmm. but there's that level of acceptance that you know my feelings may change from day to day. You know, once you have that understanding, once you have the support that you need, one day you might be full of the happy memories. Other days that shock sets in. And so you never can dictate how soon a person will get past one feeling or another. So again, it's it's totally up to you. Um, and it, it's kind of difficult to navigate in the work setting, but I always say it's it's one of those things to where you can be open about how you feel and what you want to share, what you want to share, or how comfortable you are with people carrying on around you. It might be okay. You might find enjoyment, right? Or just like okay, they're acting normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever it- normal is, you know, they're they're getting through their work day. Um, maybe not the same feeling, but maybe there's a cue that can be given that says, okay, you can feel comfortable, carry on. Yeah. I'm good right where I am. You know, even if I'm not okay, let me have my space. Right. And, and not be okay. You carry on, Mm. Uh, you know, because most of, I don't know if this happened for you, but a lot of times, um, in work settings, they might give a sympathy card. Everyone might sign or depending on the type of relationship you have with people. Um, and this may even uh, cycle circle back around to what you were saying about that post. It depends on the type of relationship you have with the people that you work with. The people that are closer to you, they might um, comfort you still. Other people who may be not, who are not so close it may not bother you that they're still laughing or carrying on with their work or coming in and out, things of that nature. So it it definitely depends on the relationship you have with your peers and people yeah. around you because a lot of people, um, you know, they may go through periods of even isolation. And if it's in excess, you know, that might that might point to a struggle, a problem or a challenge. But there are also the times uh, that during grief, that being alone is really what you want, you know? I think having that alone time, I think with grieving is is an important skill to have. But there is such a thing as probably having too much alone time because Absolutely. you almost feel lonely in that sense. And you're more alone with your thoughts and you internalize, you overthink things. And I think I found that although, yes, I love my alone time, it's brilliant. Like after a day of like socializing, you know, it's brilliant to have that alone time. And particularly, I value it a lot more now after, you know, loss is that um, I tend to feel, you know, sort of after a social event, I tend to feel a lot more overwhelmed by it. And it's, it's why it's one of it's one of those things that's you know changed me. I'm not going to say that I've totally changed as a person just because of this loss, but however, what I will say is is that it's shaped me into another new normal that I now have to live. It's you know I I've got less tolerance for BS now, like way less tolerance for that because. 
yeah that's that's the one thing that I will not tolerate and I will not deal with because you know Ellen was the same she wouldn't you know tolerate BS from other people and um and and then if and anyone really because no one should have to you know change um or you know for for other people or feel like they have to you know mask themselves because i i found that with that is that i can now realize actually yeah i could still be myself but you know inside i'm forever gonna feel that that piece of my heart has almost been taken from me you know and that's never gonna be filled that's never gonna be that's never gonna you know just go back together you know there's always going to be that little piece of me that's you know broken yes i'm you know moving forward in the best way you can i think people tend to say moving on without no context they kind of say it they try to say it sometimes as you know they're trying to come across as supportive but actually i think the right words to use is that moving forward and i say moving forward because it's not moving on from that person they're always going to be there and you're always going to think about them you're always going to have these memories and and you're always going to think back to happy times and go down memory lane um but moving forward with them in spirit they're there to almost be your guardian angel yeah you know again, again like i say not not really much of i'm not really big over religion but that's the kind of thing that I do believe in is that, you know, she, she's got her wings and she's happily playing up there in the sky. And, you know, sometimes if the sun's bright, um, I know it's her saying hi. Yeah. I'm, 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 I agree with what you're saying, Connor. I think she always will be looking down on, on you. And I'm a bit, uh, with believing, um, I, 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 it's a hard one to do because um, we all have our own preference um, and that I mean, everyone should respect that um, um, as a kid I used to go to church I used to pray, I used to sing all the songs but I'm 50-50 with it because I, I don't think when it's our time to go, I, I don't think that is the end I think, what? why would we why, why are we all here in the first place if we're not going to be there anymore at the end so I think like Ellen is somewhere good and hopefully free of pain now um but within the one thing I hate when people say to me um and this can be due with grief as well is mm-hmm. um but at the same, it might be a bit selfish in our own minds when we when we say this because we don't know what someone else is going through but mm. so, but sometimes people say this when um they just want to be kind, but they're not thinking yeah. about it. And what that is, is when people say, I know what you're going through. Um, and when people say this, uh, I, I I say it in a sense that, and Angela may relate here, uh, within Crohn's. And that that is a different part of grief, like you know, kind of grief when you get diagnosed. I think that may be with any diagnosis, um, if it's an illness especially. Um, but when when people say I know what you're going through, um, 
and they say one segment of what it is. <laughs> they say one segment of what it is, and then it's just annoying because. And yeah, I, I I don't know if you felt like like I don't know if anyone has said that to you since uh with um like your sister Connell like people saying that to you um I know what you're going through and stuff. I think when I've probably had a couple of people say that to me, whether that's intentional or unintentional, or if they're just trying to be kind and and I get that they're trying to come from a good place, but actually it's. Do you know what I'm going through? Do you know the daily struggles that I'm dealing with? Do you know every influx of emotion that I'm feeling? Because I'm going to use I'm going to use two analogies here. So there's only so much you can do to keep the waves at bay, but eventually the waves will overwhelm you, and you have to swim alongside that grief because that's what it does. Grief is something that overwhelms you and tries to drown you but eventually you do come come from that other side and the other analogy I'm going to use as well is uh you know that we used to go on a bear hunt uh book that we, every kid in the UK used to read oh yeah yeah I remember that um you can't go under it you can't go to the side of it but you have to go through it and that's what grief is like you can't find a way around it you have to go through it because it's something that you can't you can't tiptoe around it you can't tiptoe around grief because it's gonna overwhelm you on the days when you least expect it and I know that when I first got into a job at the start of the year I didn't like it I and I think the I think with the grief as well and the grief I was feeling that didn't help I felt very um, overwhelmed and it wasn't for me and the lack of faith and and I didn't feel like it was a nice, supportive environment. Uh, out of respect, I won't name that company, but um, but of course it's, it's, it's one of those things as well is that not er- I've come to realise year on that not everyone is going to be as understanding or as caring or as empathetic as perhaps some other people are and that's just part of them and that's who they are and that's their prerogative that's it and it's unfortunate that a lot of people we find now in this world unfortunately are um are quite selfish and they, they, a lot of us a lot of people just don't understand about certain subjects um, I, I, I had uh, last year I had a podcast with with someone and we 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 spoke about grief actually and it, it came up in a in a talk we were talking about um Doctor Who which we were both we we we, we both mm-hmm. love we love the show and in TV shows you can see grief on there as well and then we talked about it in a in a real life setting and we, we said uh, the guest said to me um if so if I had a um a friend that maybe passed away, uh, like maybe um a family member or, or or someone close to them, I'm not gonna show empathy because I can't. And I, 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 I completely understand that because you can't. You, when someone like a friend's maybe a person in their life has passed away, you're not going to feel what they feel and. That is very 
you wouldn't expect that of someone. Um, and it doesn't mean you're not, you don't care about them. Uh, it, it just means that you're not going to feel it. And it, it brings back to the point when saying that you're not, it, it doesn't mean you don't care. Like you can be a good friend. I'm a good friend. You're a good friend. Uh, I think Andrew's a good friend as well. We're all good friends, but mm. I think I love to say it only happened. You only get it when it happens to you or, or, or someone in your family. And you're going to be sad. It is a sad thing when someone passes away. Um, and when that happens, like, like we were saying earlier earlier on in the episode, you're going to, you may, you may be kind of expect it. If things are going wrong for a long period of time and with Ellen, it, it was quite, like, like, like you say, Connor, as Ellen got older, it got more frequent going to hospital, hospital visits. Um, but with that conversation I had with this person, um, I completely because we're all different, we're all different human beings. So some will, some of us will show empathy, and some will be sad. Some people won't, and I'm a bit like you, Connell, in the sense where I I, I find it hard to cry in front of people. Uh, I think a lot of men do. Uh, it, it's it's one of those I think stigmas within men have within men that we find it hard to um let our emotions out. Um, and I've done a lot of times, and um, and it's hard not to cry sometimes. Yeah, it, it, like you say, it's healthy. It's healthy. It, it, it's a bit weird saying that, isn't it? It's healthy to cry because mm. it's, not, it, it's not one of those things you think is healthy because you think it's not good. Uh, having all these tears like let out, it's, it's not good. But I think the point I'm saying is it's okay not to show empathy in a way to it being kind out the whole situation is all you can do you can't relate is i think what the discussion i had um last year because if if you can't relate um like i think when people do say i i know what you're feeling i don't i think what they mean is they maybe have had a death maybe in their family perhaps but they can't especially if it's something so recent you can't say it to someone because in their mind it may they it may come across with oh, look, you don't know what I'm going through because mine is completely different to you and it might be a different cause as well. Yeah, I think that is one thing to keep in mind as well, I think. I think um, to an extent it's, yeah, some that's obviously that person's prerogative to say what they want to say and that's how they feel, whatever, that's absolutely fine. But what I will say is that... Um, having empathy i think i think what that person's probably putting it across in the wrong like context yeah. i think yeah. like putting it across quite wrongly because um i think that person should have maybe thought about properly what they were saying before actually you know saying it because i get it in the sense of if you haven't dealt with like significant loss before um you can't really you know sort of relate but I think you could certainly empathize with them with and you know be kind and courteous to them about what they are going through because it's such a loss is such a complicated um feeling and you know there's different types of loss I mean you know losing obviously you can't expect that, like fam, like family-wise, you you expect to lose your grandparents first, 
obviously that's not for every that's obviously not the case for everyone yeah. but you kind of expect to lose your grandparents first and other family members follow along and it's and it's you know sort of the normal n- normal mundane thing right but so, but you know that's not the case so, um it's you know sometimes a parent might lose a child you know or you know someone die before someone in their family might die before their grandmother or their grandfather and you know that's I guess that's the way that life can be life can be cruel incredibly cruel and it's so and it's something that um that I've come to realize and I think in regards to sort of when I've seen other people you know they've lost someone recently it's you know I kind of I can empathize with them in a way in that sense that I've also lost someone but I think unless you lose someone significant um you can't really you know, sort of relate to their their struggles and the internal and the internal feelings because it's unless you like you say Mason unless you've like experienced it you're not really gonna know until it happens to you Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I agree because, like, um, it's you're not good. I think that the best thing friends can do, uh, people like me haven't experienced it yet, is just to be kind, um, because that, like you say, you don't like you expect to lose your your grandparents first, and then, um, but it's 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 something you don't expect to, to to lose someone very young. Um and a lot of I think parents expect them to go maybe before their child their children as well. Um and when it, it is happens like it must be the worst thing in the world I imagine because losing someone um that um was awful it it, it just it's just awful um and within the the episode actually after this one um. It's it's actually a remembrance of a person um who had, who had crimes. Um, her mum uh his mum came on, and and I think it's it's great to highlight these kind of episodes, uh and these talks because I think the more we we talk about it and the more people boost people, I I wouldn't say confidence. It it just boosts their being of just to be able to talk about it because at first you you imagine I imagine talking about it's gonna be the hardest thing to, even to um a ther- the therapist that you saw Connor um it, it may took a little while to properly open about Ellen and Ellen her life um and everything she'd done before at the start uh, especially talking to someone new but um but yeah like 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 with the the the, the with empathy I think I completely agree with what you're saying O'Connell um but I just I think everyone it's different in the ways I guess um how we uh, express what we say um and yeah I I, I think like it's, it's great that you decided to do this because it's it is something that you're comfortable doing and yeah I've I've, I've very enjoyed that you that you've wanted to come on and do this <laughs> Yeah. You know, I, I want to say something in terms of sympathy uh-huh. and also in terms of empathy. 
I was listening to what you were saying, Mason, about the conversation. And I'm so glad <laughs> that the highlight was not on me. I was probably making so many different faces. <laughs> <laughs> and plus, I was also watching Connell's face because I'm just, you know, observant. And I, I pick up on some nonverbal cues, a, a couple of them. A couple of the facial expressions was like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. I was like. And so, you know, when you sympathize, well, well, let me say this first. So I remember getting these two twisted and uh, before I was in the, you know, the mental health profession. But so sympathy is when a person feels sorrowful for what another person has gone through. Maybe you haven't experienced a loss in the same manner, or maybe you have not felt that wave of sadness, but you're sorry because you care so much yeah. about what a, another person is going through. So there's the sympathy that's the possible feeling and as a skill, right? All therapists, all, uh, well, I'll stick with therapists. God, I don't want to go down the line, doctors, nurses, but you know, there's a level, there's a level of empathy that's required. So empathy says that on a level, I understand. And while we were just saying that everyone is not going to understand what you're going through. And something that I say often is, I may not understand exactly what you're going through, but I can relate to hurt. And so to a friend, a relative, a peer, to a client, that comes across as I understand, right? It comes across as, and this is kind of a slang in the U.S., she feels me, she gets me. Basically. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard that slang. And so maybe I have not lost a sibling, mm. but I understand the hurt of losing a grandparent. Mm. I may not have lost, a, you know, so, so there's a correlation between the feelings that come with loss right um, maybe as we were talking about a circumstance like grieving circumstances I may not have lost um, you know and, and a lot of people consider their pets as family yeah. I totally respect pet loss when I was growing up with pets things would happen to them and that was kind of the end of it but now I do. I respect people who have had pets in their family for years, right? And have had to um, seek other means when their pets are ill. So guess what? I have to show um, a level of empathy toward the hurt that they're feeling and make suggestions for support groups or for um, groups who focus on pet loss and grief around that type of thing so yeah it, it really pulls at you and it's important to know the difference maybe you don't fully understand mm. but 
there's a there's a level of hurt that you can pot- potentially relate to and as you brought up mason uh dealing with crohn's or dealing with chronic illness right maybe there are certain symptoms that overlap and maybe we all can relate to on a level but how it affects our bodies can actually be different but guess what to a level we can all relate we all kind of feel each other's pain on that level and we know what and i'll even be personal i know what it feels like to even grieve a lifestyle to not be able to do things that i did once before to not be able to uh, maybe fulfill tasks in my life that I just knew I was destined for. So that is maybe where that conversation, um, I- I'm going to say what I'm thinking. Maybe it could have gone a little bit differently, uh, but it sounds like there was maybe an attempt to relate and say, you know, I totally don't understand, but maybe there's a level of sorrow there. Uh, where they want to show care and concern, or maybe I haven't experienced it just like that, but I know what pain, emotional pain feels like. Uh, yeah, definitely. It's, it's uh, um, like, like you say, it's, you know, it's that difference between, you know, relating and having that empath- empathy and understanding and the care for, you know what what that person's going through and okay yeah it's you know before losing my sister I didn't really lose anyone of like significance I had two great-grandparents I actually had the privilege of meeting and they lived for you know quite long lives but um you know and you know my great-grandmother was 96 when, when she passed and you know she passed peacefully and um yeah of course I was sad um but I think the loss of my sister like was that was I guess more significant to me because I grew up with her I went through ups and downs of her I lived life with her and and that was something that I now something I had to take into consideration because with that and as well like going back to the couple of weeks before beforehand I went to an event with the Moy Schools Council it was at Braxton Park and I remember I don't know why I went to be honest I look back and I don't know why I went I guess it was to just show my face and do something for the day but I did it anyway and I went and did a speech and to critical acclaim as well um the video is on my personal Facebook and I've made it public so you know people can see it and people can share and the amount of love and support I got on that was you know absolutely overwhelming it was you know truly wonderful I don't you know I don't do these things for you know critical acclaim or approval from other people you know I do it because it fulfills me and it fulfills myself you know sort of doing these things and honoring her legacy in the best way that I can and I hope that I continue to honor her legacy talk about her and to be honest you know I've even thought of writing a book about Ellen you know that's a thought that I've had it'll probably take me years probably to do and it's like that thing of 
I don't know where to start. It's like structuring a book. It's so simple, but I think sometimes, um, I think sometimes verbalizing those thoughts and even writing them down is such a release. And I found that with like music and stuff, it's a release for me because I'm able to verbalize it through music. Perhaps as to where I can't verbalize it just via speaking alone you know people find different ways to express themselves and I think with loss it's fine it's finding that way that you know that is healthy and it suits you down to a T on how to fully express it but I will say this to anyone that has experienced loss don't go through this alone don't feel that you have to navigate these battles alone you know if you don't have much of a support network, you know, do utilize those people in your close circle because they might be there for you more than you think and more than you realize, you know. It's not necessarily just burdening, burdening them with, you know, your problems because loss isn't a problem. It's something that everyone goes through in life and, and it's on us as a world and as a community to support each other through our plates well said very well said yeah very well said <laughs> it was very well said um yeah I, I i think it's been really great talking today about this because it is it is something that um connell said and he, he, he felt like it was time to uh to speak about this and uh, i'm glad he did um because um it is good to learn a few new things, maybe um, how to cope when someone loses someone, for especially for anyone maybe listening, watching. If you haven't experienced loss yet, um, it's always good to support people that have, and and if if you have had loss, um, it is good to um, if you haven't, it it is. It is his personal choice um to go on a podcast and speak about it um like connell has today um because we haven't had i know we had a, a an episode just about grief i think we've highlighted it i think in an episode but not dominantly just about it and i think it's good that we've done this because it's just highlighting that awareness and acceptance that we can speak about this and with mental health we can speak about our mental health and not not feel burdened and I not feel ashamed of ourselves, um, but yeah, I've I've I've, I've I think it's been really good um, within um, myself Angela and Connell, um, and I'm um, I'm glad that you you both done it and in this special episode dedicated to Ellen's life and 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 it's been good to uh, I think I'm I mean Angela have actually learned a few new things as well with um. Like Connor mentioned, the lamp and like uh, I think I think that's really good, um and Teddy's that you 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 mentioned of of Ellen as well. I think I think that's really good um as well. Uh, it, like uh, I imagine just keeping that. Uh, I don't know, going to sleep with it perhaps, or just having it on the side, um just signifies that she's there and and just yeah, there it's... with you. It's yeah, it's it's on my shelf, and she had Teddy mountain. She had loads of Teddy, so like it was actually built like mountain, like it was actually mountains of Teddies. And yeah, you know, I 
and literally as well, I had to, I had to pretty much go through the rest of my apprenticeship with that loss, and somehow I managed to, you know, gain that distinction. I passed my theory recently, and it's you know for my driving, and you know that's something that I've had to do and deal with, and despite the adversity that I've gone through, one could not have blamed me if I did falter through the process and people perhaps would have understood but I think the most important thing for me is it's that I hope I've told Ellen's story in the best way I could and I hope that um, for anyone out there that's you know perhaps experienced significant loss or not experienced loss I hope this you know help helps people out there for knowing I guess what to do when the time comes but I guess you'll never be ready you'll never be ready when it when grief comes because loss may hit you unexpectedly it may be sudden and it's how you it's how you handle it and it's how you um i guess ver- verbalize and internalize your thoughts and yeah you know, i just want to say thank you for you know letting me come onto the podcast today to speak about this because it was something that i guess i wanted to do um, for quite a bit of time it was a case of do I feel ready to and I I felt that obviously today was the right day to do so and um, as well uh, just a real quick one um, the world according to Ellen that's um, Ellen's Facebook page so if you guys do want to you know check that out and you know and you know and go through the posts or whatever you know there's um, you know, post sort of every couple of weeks, and you can sort of get to really know Ellen and what her lo- and her fabulous life that she lived for seventeen years. So, um, yeah, I just want to say the uh, huge thanks again for letting me come on. Yeah, it's it's, it's been good um, to do this, and yes, like, like like Connell says, just go in to the um, Ellen's Facebook page um, because it is great. I um. Uh, a lot of dedication into every post I think on there um and last year just reading it um as well you'll 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 see all, all the great stuff that Ellen's done in her life as well as well as speaking about that um in today's episode um and it, it, in this episode I'll be here forever so if it always be here um and so two people who are watching uh, whatever country you're in, if it's UK, if it's the US, I'm sure, uh, if it's somewhere else in the world, uh, Australia, uh, a, a new audience is gaining in Australia um, due to a, um, a new upcoming series called Digestive um, Digestive um... Biscuits. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I I wish it was biscuits. I do like biscuits. Uh, Digestive Diaries, actually. And that series will be starting... This episode will go at the start of June, but um, which it is now. Um, but towards the end, it'll be an episode every couple of months where I'm joined with um, people, a few guests um, from Australia. Time difference is... Well, I won't say awful. It's just annoying, I guess, for me. But I'm a night owl anyway. As as you can probably tell, me and Connell probably are night owls considering the time difference mm. for us at the moment. Um, but yeah, that series will be airing every couple of months. So anyone listening, watching, keep an eye on that. But on on this episode, it has been a pleasure to to speak about this. Um, I'm gonna Angela. Is there anything that you want to say 
to to finish well i just want to say to the viewers and listeners don't rush the process of grief be kind to yourself through the process it's going to feel uh, like a new space to you even maybe a little bit of a culture shock and seek professional help yeah I'm glad to be a part of this episode. I've learned so much about Ellen and her world. Yeah, it's been it's been awesome. And one last thing I want to touch is within um within grief. I think we all I think we all think about it a lot of the time. Like I, I uh, before we go, I was just going to share uh, something. When I was younger, um, I had a very big fear. I always used to say um about like dying you know and i always used to say um to my family more to my mum i'll say a certain thing that's in my head and i'll say if if i do this will i die just because i was very fearful when i was younger and um and um it was actually um like I went to like see people about it, and they literally thought it's because I was watching Doctor Who when I was younger. Because <laughs> like they literally thought it's because of that. Because whenever I'd watch it when I was younger, I would say, "Is that going to happen to me? Am I going to turn into that? Am I going to be a, a person with no hair?" Um. So, I, I, but in hindsight, I think I, I just it is a worrying thing to think about, isn't it? And even more worrying when you fear someone else and you're knowing that you're probably going to be alive when someone is going to die. It, 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 we're all going to experience it, aren't we? If we haven't or not, like if it's just one person, unfortunately, it will probably be more because that 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 is life. We're not just going to fear. Probably, we're not probably we're not just going to experience one form of grief. We're going to experience lots. Um, and it can be like Angela said, really good point out earlier. It can be still when someone is it might be just really ill, and it can be getting diagnosed or something. It can be um, announcing that they are gonna unfortunately pass. Um, and when they say that, like Connell pointed out earlier, he thought it was gonna be maybe a good number of months because it is really complicated when they do say this to us when like a family member is on maybe end of life or they say that and and then a lot normally it, it is a, a good few months um uh, like Connell thought and it's really annoying really I guess uh especially if you are maybe autistic or maybe take things quite seriously you're in one sense end of life you expect it to be maybe quite soon but really in hindsight it doesn't mean that it just means it can happen any time um really but yeah, I, I other than that, I just wanted to share that uh, because I thought it was relevant to what we were talking about today. Um, um, but yeah, but to to anyone, uh, oh, Angela, do you want to read out the um the helplines for anyone before we go? Sure thing. So for the U.S., I want to say also, um, as we're talking about grief, sometimes some of the feelings that come up. Uh, if the sadness is overwhelming, there may be a level of depression there. There is a suicide and support um, helpline in the U.S. It's 988. 
you call that number, dial those three numbers. There is a licensed professional waiting there to talk with you and help you. It can be early a.m. It can be late in the midnight hour. If you are in the UK, the number is 999 or 112. I want to make sure I have that correct. But these are helplines if you are feeling hopeless, helpless, or even suicidal and you need that additional support and just someone to talk to. So for the U.S., 988. And I actually have some different countries I'll start sharing as well. Let's see. Oh, I had it exactly right. So for UK and the Republic of Ireland, it's 999 and 112. Those are the emergency numbers. Argentina is 911 for emergency. Australia is 000. Some people might say, oh, 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 but I say zero. <laughs> and China, one, one, zero. So there's an emergency number for support in every country, no matter where you are. And I appreciate Mason allowing me to make these announcements and highlighting the numbers we want to offer support in whatever way we can all around the world. Yeah, I think they are very important. And there's only, I think only recently we, when we've done episodes together, we've only, we've only just mentioned them. Um, because I think whenever I do mental, when we ever do mental health episodes now, I think it's very important to highlight those numbers. Um, there are lots more countries, of course, in the world, but I think we'll be here to the morning um, if we did to go through all of them. Um, but um, if we missed your, your country, we are very sorry. Um, but just if, if if we haven't highlighted your country, just go on to Google Internet and just search your helpline. Um, and yeah, it's it's one of the easiest numbers to know, I think. Even more so than your own phone, phone number, I think. <laughs> um, but... I think that that is it from me, Connell and, uh, and Angela uh, today. Um, in to, in the episode highlighted around Ellen, uh, the memory of Ellen, and yeah, if you want to get in contact with any of us, um, um, our details will be on the the description below. Um, and yeah, for, uh, thank you to anyone who's tuned in today. Um, and anyone who's watching and listening, and from from all of us, we hope you have a nice rest of the day, morning, evening um yeah whatever time it's for you but thank you uh good night everyone or have a nice rest of your day angela um and yeah I, I, i'm glad we've done this and thank you again to connell for wanting to speak up speak up about this it's very good thank you